It's Monday, April 30th, 2018, and you're listening to episode 483 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 58 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Eric. This is Wayne. And my name is Chad. Did you hear that uncomfortable pause that Eric had? Yeah, it's going to be edited out. Yeah. But no, yeah. we should. It was, I had tight sphincter syndrome. That's right. It, it, it's like, <laughs> what show am I on? Oh my God, I can't do this. Wait, the never, oh. clockwise? Wait, what? <laughs> Why is everyone staring at me? I don't know. Brandy's crazy drunk hair across the table from me. What do I do? <laughs> you don't have any hair across the table from you. <laughs> so, did I tell you guys about the Google searches I did? I don't want to hear about them. No, no. <laughs> were they safe searches? That's what I want. Yeah, these were completely safe searches. As the one who probably has to go and delete your browser history when the time comes. Well, no, unless so, I know the better. All right. So I went out and I was trying to get a link to Eric's show, Gamer's Table. Or Gamer's Table. Gamer's Stable. Stable. No, no. Table. He capitalized oh, the yeah. T. Right. We bought the capital T. Oh, actually. Right. You're you the it. boot. You own it. Yeah. Yes, we own that capital T. You couldn't buy the D. Yeah. <laughs> but that they give away for free. Uh, so yes. I was trying to link to his show. And so I went out. I didn't know exactly what the URL was. Was it just gamerstable.com? Was it like gamerstable.podbean.com? I mean, you never know. So I went out and I just Googled it real quick. And as I type in gamerstable, of course, you get the autocomplete suggestions. Mm. If I remember right, the very first one, no shock, was Brandy. So this, when people look for Gamer's Table, this is what they're looking for. Brandy? The Brandy. drink? No, 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 no. Brandy, who's a girl on their show. Oh, cast member. Oh, gotcha. Cast member. I, I, I'm not, I don't listen to podcasts. Yeah, I'm not going to get I'm, I'm not going to get deep into this pretty blonde girl. Sure. And so she with, is the... With a the, the foul mouth, and yeah, she's like a female bro doer. <laughs> wow. wow. I, I, we just I, lost all of our listeners. Now they're going to... <laughs> Congratulations on all the new listeners. There. <laughs> he, he sold me to listen to an episode. I didn't know that. So I, I when I did the same search on Fear the Boot, it was far more predictable. Right. It was things you expect. It's like Fear the Boot, actual play. Fear the Boot, group template. You know, it was things were actually content-oriented. I go over to Gamer's Table and do the exact same attempt to autocomplete on Google. And it's like straight up brandy. And so we were going to do this April Fool's joke where we weren't going to tell the cast members on Gamer's Table. Eric and I were just going to transplant brandy to this show. (laughs) And I was just going to be like, you know, hey, we'd like to welcome brandy to the cast. We're sorry about what happened on that other show. (laughs) And just act as if this was like her new home. Like she's a fear of the boot host now. And it would have been hilarious, except at last minute she dropped out and wouldn't do it. Mm. Uh-huh. So shame on her. So keep Googling fear the boot group template. Don't worry about gamer stablers. Nothing. <laughs> right. There's nothing there for you, but Eric and he's here now. So keep on keeping on. That's right. All right. So this week's topic, we're going to talk about fat Tony and loving. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. Fat Tony. It's such a visual. Why so, is his name Fat Tony? <laughs> I don't know. We live on a space station, and we... And he's not really that heavy, so what's fat? <laughs> Which is part of what occurred to me is, yeah, he can't, he can't be fat. We ration food. He's ration food. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why do they call him Fat Tony? <laughs> so, all right, here's what we're talking about without the proper nouns. Let me get down to a better general description of this. 
One of the concepts that we have talked about or talked around a lot in Fear the Boot is the idea of player participation and developing the setting and developing the game. And especially if your players have pretty good taste and you as the game master trust them, I think there's a lot you can do to let them develop the setting. Now, I know there are some systems that have codified this. For example, I believe in fate. You can pay a fate chip to simply declare a truth about the setting or something to that effect. I know this is certainly a big thing in inspectors where you get your one confessional and whatever you say in that confessional is canon truth of the setting, no matter how outlandish it gets. But the players have some mechanism to simply declare a truth about the setting. So they can say something like, well, I'd take out my lockpick and lockpick this door, even though up to this point there's been no indication this character has a lockpick or the ability to lockpick doors. And that's maybe not a great example because it's it's self-indulgent. But in the last Inspector's game I ran, I had something like this where people had decided that Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce (laughs) was how you exercise the demon of Senator Ted Kennedy from Pat. Right. And this just got declared in a confessional. And this doesn't have to be just in certain games. Let's say you're running a good old D&D game and someone's like, you know, I go into the tavern and I walk up to the tavern keep and I'm like, hey, Bob, right? it's great to see you. Haven't seen you since we fought in that three-year war. So as a game master, that, po- that happened. Let's say that just happened and you're the game master. And you've never encountered somebody taking that level of agency from you as a game master. Yeah, because to emphasize right. an example, previously the bartender was this not... Is the, they've never been in this tavern. Yeah. They, they, this it, is totally... He, he wasn't named Bob, and there was no such thing as the Three yeah. Years' War. Or even worse, previously his name was Jim, and he was a pacifist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in your notes, maybe. Now, That's now, what I mean. Yeah. As a game master, you have a choice. You have one of two choices here. You can either look at this person and say, no, you you can't do that. His name is not Bob. His name is Jim. It's in my notes. He's a pacifist. It's right here in the box text of the module. So never do that again. And uh, you'd be a terrible GM. <laughs> but you, the other path, the shining path that you can take on this is you can roll with it. Now, for some people, this, this is like really obvious. This is like how you do game mastering. I, I think for others who are more, I was about to say note heavy. It's not, it's not notes versus no notes. It, it more stratified in their vision of the game they're trying to hand the players. You know, this can be hard for them, but it's actually a really great thing. This is a tool in, tool in the GM's toolbox. As a human, you can only give so much detail. You, you can only think about so much, especially when you're a game master, you're balancing monsters, you're balancing this and that, you're, you're juggling all the stuff. So when the players add detail and interesting bits and stuff on their own about things that have nothing to do with their characters, roll with it. Make that a truth in the world. Yeah, and here's the thing that I use as my fallback. Are you creating a truth? When I say you, I mean the player. Mm. Are you creating a truth that, one, matters in, in a way that's bad? Okay, mm. so you're, you're derailing what it is I'm trying to do. And two, is this truth adding to your enjoyment? If the answer to these questions are no and yes, respectively, 
that I think it is self-destructive to remove it. Let's give the example of Fat Tony and Lovin. <laughs> Here's how Fat Tony and Lovin come to be. And for those of you sick of us talking about the actual play, don't worry. You don't have to listen to the actual play to follow this example. But, but if you, you don't, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you should. You yeah. should. It's a great actual play, I guess. Top five <laughs> games I've ever played in. It's amazing. And I don't say that lightly. I truly, honestly mean that the Saw game is in my top five. It is an amazing game, and I absolutely love it. Well, thank you. I, I, well, well, it's not you. It's, it's me. It's our I make it great. These guys <laughs> you, tag along. You brought your you, game. You are like I'm French fries. Yeah, you, you are the method I get the ketchup in my mouth. Yeah, place. all right. <laughs> so they were locked up in a prison, and there were certain NPCs that I had to find that were in this complex with them. And what happened is in the first few minutes of the game, they start trying to figure out, well, where are our cells in relation to each other? This and, one's on the right. This one's on the left. This one's backward. This one's forward. And this was after I rolled three ones on 3d6. <laughs> yes. yes. So expected. Normal. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, you not only rolled three ones on a 3d6. I followed it up with two ones on 2d6. No, no, no. You followed that up with when we did, went for the critical failure margin. You followed that up with a roll of a six, which is the worst possible failure. Didn't you roll and a one on Sunday? We rolled up D and D characters because I'm running a D and D five E game. Didn't you roll like a five for one of your stats or something? Yes. <laughs> on four D six, I rolled three ones <laughs> and a two. I rolled a three. Bit. <laughs> and and I want you guys to know, Ferno is not big on math. The chances of Wayne failing in my game the way he did are 1 in 1,296. In the course of this campaign, Wayne will not make 1,300 rolls, and yet he managed to pull So that's out of his system now, right? right? Sure. Yeah, seven ones in one night. Google something called the gambler's fallacy. No, Wayne is going to do this again and again and again. So while we were laying this out, you guys came up with there was a stereotypical Italian gangster. I have no idea why, because <laughs> we're on a space station. He's an Italian gangster who was one cell up from you guys, who apparently had been protecting... Was it your character, Eric? Because you had been giving him your desserts. Right. Yeah, right. So, okay. yeah my dessert coupon. So you, you'd been basically doing a prison yard payoff of instead of paying into his commissary, right. you'd been paying him slipping off. Slipping him jello. Right. Yeah, you right. were slipping him, yeah, who knows what, but some kind of space dessert. So, like, <laughs> what I love is we're probably all skinny, like skin and bones. Yeah. And he is average yeah. weight, yeah. and that <laughs> makes him fat. Tony. And so you're right. giving him your, your strawberry cheesecake toothpaste, <laughs> right? And that makes him fat, Tony. <laughs> This character is nowhere in my notes. Right. But I'm like, you know what? They've created him. I'm going to run with it. All right. Now let me continue the story. And then we're going to back up and dissect this. So then, because Fat Tony's Fat Tony, so of course he has to have a terribly rendered and probably somewhat offensive Italian, <laughs> my rendition of an Italian accent, there is a point where he says, for the love of. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's meant to say, for the love of, but right. because I'm doing this terrible accent, he says, for the love of, and somebody misunderstood that as him calling out, for lovin'. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly the prison yard bitch named lovin' gets created whole cloth mm-hmm. out of nothing. 
This was not a character that anyone set out to create. But you guys but thought... But he was the character we needed. He, was the, <laughs> he wasn't the character that Gotham deserved. He was the one that Gotham needed. And so suddenly, whole cloth with nobody's intent behind this, this NPC of Lovin mm-hmm. gets created and is added to the canon of and, what's going on. And what's amazing is that no one stopped and said, oh, you know what? We need a prison bitch. Yeah. And then this is what he's like. And then oh, he's got a nickname. No, it was just like... But a loving, oh yeah, tell loving to shut the f- up too. And then suddenly everybody was on the exact same page of who loving was, what his personality was, what he was, everything. I mean, it was just, you just knew. There was no question. No that. question. And, and he always existed. And he always will exist now. Yeah, all right. And, and let me pause here to say that for anyone who's like, wow, this concept of loving's really inappropriate. Yeah, it is. Which is why loving's not a major character. And we're going to come back to that specific point probably in a little bit in this episode. But let me put that aside just for a moment. All right, so the nature of loving aside. What occurred here was players created canon that, number one, did not interfere with the canon that I needed to be true for the game. There were certain NPCs that I had created that needed to be encountered. Like, you didn't have a guard named Joe walk up to one of our cells and say, hi, I'm Joe. I'm the guard who's actually in your backstory and you know all about me. Precisely. And they looked at him and said, no, your name's Steve and you're this other guy. Exactly. Just, yeah. Or somebody who is going to get you to an escape pod to get off the station. And you're this, a Steve who owes me a favor now. Yeah. Right. I suppose an equivalent would be if we went further back in the campaign to the other campaign, if you guys had reinvented Pops on the spot. Pops needed to be certain Mm -hmm. things. This was a major character to the plot if we assume, let's say, Lord of the Rings was a role-playing game. And on the spot, you just reinvented who Saruman is. We would have a problem, because I have plot elements that need Mm -hmm. to involve this character. But if you guys on the spot said, oh, Saruman has an assistant who's like such and such, a particular orc, right? doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And so there was no reason for me to get in the way of that. But the second thing it does is it gives you guys the freedom to invent bits of setting that you enjoy, that you contributed, and hell, the fact that you cared enough to contribute about it. Look, as terrible as it may be, there is nobody that writes fan fiction that doesn't care about the source material. And I'm, I don't mean to embarrass you guys with that comparison. But, <laughs> I prefer slash fic. But, <laughs> but the, the point being that there is nobody who writes Harry Potter fan fiction who isn't on some level a Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. And if J.K. Rowling was to come in and to personally crap all over this person, what is she doing to her fan right. base? Right. And, you know, there's been some talk, and I realize trademarks and things like that get involved. But there's been some talk about, well, is, was it Paramount or Columbia or whatever doing the same thing with this whole Axonar thing? You What's know, the, an Axonar? It's a Star Trek fan film that actually looked really good, and then somebody came in and sued it and shut it down or morphed it into some. It's this big, long legal battle. If you're interested in such things, go Google it. I'm not going to cover it. Things like but, that happen all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember with Fat Tony, Dan never even established that there was a guy in a cell across the way. I mean, we assume there was because there were 20, 25 other prisoners and he described how they were in a line. And I remember that I was sitting there 
And my thought process went, he's describing the prison really well. I mean, I know where I'm at. I know where the other characters are. And I understand the situation. And I understand what we're generally supposed to be or how we're supposed to interact with the situation. And my thought was, this place is too quiet. Everybody hates Gil. Gil's my character. He's and everybody hates him. That's kind of his thing. And I'm like, man, people should be yelling. It's a prison. And Gil should be screaming at people. And so that's what I did. I'm just like, I was trying to talk, I believe, to Eric. And then I was trying to talk to you, and you rolled all your ones. And I'm like, I think Wayne's character's dead. And <laughs> I'm trying to, like, figure stuff out. And no, they, he'd be harassed. And so I'm like, what's your character's name, Eric? Junior. Junior. Yeah, Junior. And I'm like, so, Junior, do you have any contraband? Do you have anything? Shut the f- up tony i want to hear your fat mouth or something like that and it's just <laughs> you know i just threw it in there again because i wanted it to be a, a loud rowdy prison even though so, i'm not running the game so this works well in this case but we've hit on a few times you've mentioned it, if it does hurt the plot you have set so i want to give an example of that not from an actual game just something i was thinking on on the spot i was hoping it would be an example of how i ruined one of your games no, because I haven't had this ever happen. Oh, okay. But let's say... There's a goal for you, Chad. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I've had no, games. I'm running the current game. Crowd. Oh, I've no, had it's games. not a goal. Well, I would never do that to believe you. Believe me, I've had games run. But, okay. <laughs> let's say you have a plot that involves the city that you're going into or the spaceship that you're about to be interacting with. The people that were there are gone and have been replaced. Mm. So a character comes in. Hey, Jim the bartender, and starts talking. When your plot says they don't know anybody here because these are simulations, these are demons pretending to be human, these are robots that are replaced, what do you do in that situation? In that case, for me, that's an easy one of the bartender turns around and you realize it's not Tony, it's not Jim, and I use that to point out the plot. That's a good cover. But people make mistakes. But let's say that's not an option. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you guys a question. Chad, you just explained why you created Tony. Mm-hmm. And I've explained why I was able to roll with it. Because right. to give an exact number, I said there were 27 prisoners in there. Mm-hmm. All right. And exactly who these 27 are, I had some ideas for some of them. I had not defined 27 people. Yeah, you're not Wayne and, or Dawn. And, and just yeah, write I, all those characters out all the time. And the NPCs on that station. That's funny you think I do that. <laughs> and the NPCs on that station that I have worked out. Apart from two, you guys didn't even encounter. So because we had Fat Tony and Lovin', who else do we need? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but the point being, though, I've explained why it wasn't an issue for me. Okay, now if you had attempted to redefine someone that did matter, I'd have had to take a different approach. But I want to ask you guys a somewhat different question, which is, what do you use as a cue to decide this is something you can mess with? So what is it as a game master where I'm sending the message, don't mess with this NPC versus go nuts here? Because I've never had an issue with this. So there must be some, I mean, Chad, I've known each other for well, yeah, for 38 years or something ridiculous like that. But. If you've described a person, to me, that means you've put thought into that person and I wouldn't step on it. Okay, so don't mess with something the GM has defined. Yep, so if we walk into a bar and you describe every patron in there, I'm not taking one of them. But if you say it's a crowded bar, I may single one out and create it. Yeah, because there, there were two NPCs in there that if you guys had messed with, I would have had, especially if it had been significant, I would have had a much harder time dealing with it, which was the two NPCs that I had pre-created, which was Molly and Hearts. 
If you guys had messed with those, I would have either had to say no or I would have had to reevaluate. Right. Like, is this right something here. so minor? You said Molly's hair is red and I pictured it as blonde. Doesn't matter. Versus you guys define something very, very important where it's like, no, this simply can't be Like true. Molly is 80. And we establish yes, right. that she's 22. Precisely. Or we rattle off a robot model number when this is a custom-built robot that she built. I'm not it, saying it is, but I mean, that's exactly. another example. Yeah, so the things that would have gotten in my way. Okay, so the fact that I, it was a vacuum. Was that part of it? Was the, the vacuum of information? So what I do, it's actually kind of a different approach. There's two issues. One is one you brought up. We've known each other for 38 years. So we're on the same page 99% of the time, like with Lee and all the situations that went on with that character and all the background stuff, I didn't know all of what was going on. Dan didn't know what was going on with my character. And we ad libbed nearly everything, hmm. you know, all the stuff I came go into all the stuff that we ad libbed on the spot, just bouncing stuff off of each other. We didn't establish hardly anything with my character yet. There was so much stuff going on there. So I, I don't know. I, I, it's to a point to where I can't even describe why I plug into those things when Dan's running a game. But the other thing I do that is more concrete that I do with everybody is if I take control of that, if I define something, if I put something in canon, to me, it cannot be advantageous to my character. Ooh, that's a good I, one. I cannot, will not, absolutely will not do something like you know, the guard walks by, hey, Steve, with the key to get in my cell, who owes me a favor and wants to give me a gun? You know, no, that that's incredibly yeah. stupid. I would I would sooner say, oh, hey, Steve, you son of a bitch. Why don't you come in here and knock my head around again? And sure enough, he does. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, that that's I think that's a great one. So we've already established look for a vacuum of information. But a second one is don't give yourself an advantage because right. if you're giving yourself an advantage, it looks like, whether it's true or not, it has the appearance that you're trying to manipulate the yeah. situation versus adding depth. This this is going upward, not outward. Mm -hmm. And in fact, your first words to who became Fat Tony <laughs> was shut the f*** up, I right. believe. I yeah. mean, someone, <laughs> someone can pull the audio and say for sure, but it was not... No. Something like... It's like, hey, Tony, the guy with all the keys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Tony, the guy with the keys who owes me a favor and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and in fact, the second thing we established about him was he was either average weight or overweight or whatever he overweight is. Overweight exactly. for the station. Yeah, overweight <laughs> for the station is because of the fact that Eric's character is passing him his toothpaste cheesecake. <laughs> right. <laughs> because of the fact that he's not capable of handling himself right, in that right. setting. This wasn't advantageous. It's actually kind of embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's always something that, uh, that I always do. Well, it's the reason Eric wasn't loving. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, For a little bit, I thought he was going to be the way he was playing the character. When it came to that situation, just from playing with you guys, if you haven't listened to the actual play, which you should, and you've never seen Chad play, Chad <laughs> kicks in the door. And all you got to do is just kind of go in right behind. So, you know, it was a, he singled out Tony and I was like, well, fat Tony, what would somebody who isn't made for prison, what would they do? Well, they would probably latch on to somebody mm -hmm. who would protect them Yeah, and, you know, or would be bullied. And so we, you know, fat Tony, he's the gangster. He's probably either a bullying me or I'm paying him off. So he won't bully me. 
Right. So that was my thought process behind all of that. And then I punched him in the nose. <laughs> you knocked him unconscious. <laughs> yeah. But with uh, Anthony. <laughs> what I really liked about Tony is it was almost like you did some foreshadowing with him because it was like he was there mm-hmm. and he actually you brought him back later on. And yeah. it was like you didn't have to do that. But mm-hmm. I think that makes things more rich because you never know. We might see him again. We probably will. Mm-hmm. He could become a bigger NPC. So there, there's a meme that's floating around on the Internet. I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen it on Twitter. I'm sure it's all over various RPG forums. But it says something like, um, let the player's paranoia become the game master's plot or, or something <laughs> to that effect. But I don't think that just has to apply to paranoia. Because you guys, you had certain theories on what was going on in the plot. I've already defined the plot. It's not to say it's immutable, but I have defined the plot, and I intend to stick generally to it. But in this case, you guys defined an NPC. The NPC brought something to the setting. The NPC was not destructive or distracting in any way. The NPC was clearly something you were invested in, even if just purely at the level of entertainment. And as I've said in other shows where we've talked about how do you create good NPCs on the fly, one of the things I've always suggested is create not a stereotype, but an archetype that people immediately recognize because they fill in information that isn't there. If I was to take that and to just squander it away, I think it would be a foolish move as a game master. It's a waste. Yeah, you guys have put money on the table. Why would I just push it off to the side? I That's something I wanted to latch on to. When I had thought through the plot, the fact that you guys were going to encounter that landing pod once you reached Earth, that was already in the plot. But the fact that Fat Tony was going to be on board that pod, that wasn't in my thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no Fat Tony. How could I plan that? <laughs> what do you mean there's no Fat Tony? You're going to say there's no loving. <laughs> and so I, I just ran with that, and I think it would be foolish to squander that. I mean, I can't stress enough that if, I mean, let's take a movie. The Room. Why do people watch the movie The Room? They watch it because of the fact that it's terrible. Mm. And there's some question about... Oh, hi, Mark. To, to, <laughs> you're tearing us apart. There's, there's some <laughs> question about... Was Tommy Wiseau, is that his yeah. name? To what degree does Tommy Wiseau understand it's a bad movie? Right. But from having seen the guy in a few things more recently mostly just gag reels and stuff that people have used for publicity. Whether that was his intention or not, I don't know how seriously he took that movie, but he knows that people watch it now mm-hmm. because it's a cult classic because of how terrible it is. Right. And he owns that. I think he would be foolish to squander his own brand. Yeah. The, the fact there's a gag reel running around of him pretending to try out for the role of Heath Ledger's The Joker for The Dark Knight. <laughs> and, of course, it's awful. It's supposed yeah. to be. He owns that. Yeah. And now I don't think, I hope, this AP certainly better than The Room. That's a, low <laughs> a bar, little bit. low bar to jump. <laughs> but the point being that, you know, I have to see what you guys are invested in. And in the same way that people watch The Room because they're expecting to see Tommy Wiseau be <laughs> terrible... You know, I have to understand that you guys are tuning in for something. And in this case, it may be things you created in the form of an NPC. Of course, it is in the form of a player character. 
their own characters, I hope. And I have to buy into that. You know, I have to understand what it is you're here for and go along with that. You know, and once again, if you contradicted some important truth of my plot, I would not hesitate to walk it back. Well, okay, so let's look at that, though. Let's say somebody does do that, where they contradict important part of the plot. It is kind of a buzzkill for Game Master to say, well, wait, this great idea you had is actually a terrible idea. How do you walk it back? How do you salvage the situation without shitting on the players? Okay, I am usually not a proponent of yes and GMing. Mm. I am actually a proponent of, and I'm not going to expound on this episode because it's probably an episode unto itself. I'm a proponent of yes but GMing. Right. But what I would do is this, and here's the yes but. Let's say you guys had said the prison soul up from you is Tony, and you tell him, you know, shut up and whatever. But I already have an NPC to find for that, and it's important. What I would do with that is I would say, yes, but. So what you would do is you might hear a call back and I might say, you hear a woman's voice call back and say, who the hell do you think you're talking to? Right. And I say to your character, this is shocking. Mm -hmm. Last you knew that was Fat Tony. (laughs) Who's in the cell now and why? Now it's Fat Tanya. (laughs) Which is just like my, the person turns around and it's not the barkeep you thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Humans make mistakes is a great cover. Well, and humans are also, they're they're finite. They don't just make mistakes. They're finite in terms of their knowledge of information. Mm -hmm. So maybe it was Fat Tony last time you were aware of the cells. But when we started the game, we established that the power had been dark and you guys had been aware of other cells for at least a day or two. Mm. And so who's to say that in that time there wasn't a prisoner swap while you were asleep or something. Right. And now I'm never asleep. I always aware. And I wear my armor in my prison cell. Sure. And you took the, you took the flaw of light sleeper. (laughs) So you, you notice everything that occurs. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even start on useless flaws, (laughs) but the point being, though, that I, I think I would roll with that in a yes, but sort of way. I wouldn't invalidate your truth, mm-hmm. but I would amend it. Yeah. I would say, you know, OK, that's true. That was once upon a time Fat Tony. Now Fat Tony's gone. Right. Or just, you you could also just say, hey, I named NPC Kilgore. And, <laughs> and you know what? Fat Tony works better. I'm just going to change the name. And they don't know any different. Right. You know, so that way it's. Players don't know what they don't know. And, you know, you, as as a player, you're like, oh. Now they're using my yeah. NPC? No, I'm not using your NPC. I'm just using your NPC name. Or, this is going to get me some hate mail, but I'm going to turn this another way around. You just roll with the player's commentary yeah. as if it was in character. So you say, hey, Tony, shut the f*** up. And somebody yells out from across the cell, stop misgendering Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> and so now suddenly yeah. I put a new truth on your character. That's right. What, what, what is your issue with Tanya? Oh, <laughs> man, I hate Tanya. Because <laughs> a good player would roll with it. Yeah. Because yeah. in that situation, Gil is an asshole. Don't throw it out if you can't take it back. Right. It, it's, I put it as simply as that. If you're a player, don't pitch it if you can't take it. Yep. So, Lovin. <laughs> Let's talk about Lovin. Because Lovin created an interesting scenario. Lovin never talked. Yes. Lovin has actually never He's even been referred to. Lovin has been purely off camera. Right. Lovin has not been seen. Lovin has not spoken. Lovin has not anything. Lovin has been purely an off camera presupposition right. of the players. That I have, I believe, validated sufficiently to say that Lovin does exist. Right. But Lovin introduces some difficult things. 
Because if Lovin is real, number one, he and, is. And number two, if Lovin is also the things that you guys have presupposed him to be, which is the a pr- lover, not a fighter. <laughs> I was going to go with prison yard bitch, but sure. <laughs> then obviously this deals with subjects that's going to make one, the audience uncomfortable, but two, just as importantly, if not more importantly, in our pregame prep, we agreed this was one of the topics we didn't want to deal with was we did not want to deal with certain forms of trauma and violence, right. sexual violence being on that list. So if we also presuppose that Lovin's not some kind of total crazy whatever who wants to be the prison yard bitch. Then, you know, that was actually my thought. Uh, you, you know, is that different I, strokes I, for different folks. Yeah. And, and, and in Lovin's case, that's a lot of Who, who am I to judge Lovin? <laughs> Who's anybody to judge? No, right? Like a kid in the candy store. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, he smashed a window on the station just to get in. <laughs> but... One of the things that I can do with Lovin' is look, Lovin' can exist. Right. But that doesn't mean I, as a game master, am obligated to do anything with Lovin'. Yeah. Now, I, as I talked about with Fat Tony, I think there is an advantage to doing something with these NPCs. But when an NPC goes off the rails of what I'm comfortable dealing with mm-hmm. or where I want to take my game, I don't have to invalidate that truth to not deal with it. And this right. goes back to the whole yes, but thing. Yes, Lovin' exists, but you will probably never encounter Lovin' again. I don't think we should encounter Lovin' because he's like a meme and funny and he's bigger in our minds as a joke. I think that if he ever appeared on camera, he would become lesser. Yeah, let's, but yeah. I want to hear what happens to Lovin' because to me, going back to your earlier part, I don't see in, in my head canon. I didn't see anything rapey or bad about Lovin'. That was just how I thought of him, is that he was a willing participant and into whatever it is Lovin' is and into. And we're also the assumption that that Lovin' was the catcher. He could have been the pitcher. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, then he'd be a lover. And a lo- I don't, we're not going to die. All right. Well, but I think that Lovin', uh, what I would like is I would like to hear the exploits of Lovin'. Like, we go to a town... And there's just two guys talking to bars like this crazy guy named Lovin did this crazy thing. And we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's Lovin. Lovin. We just missed him. <laughs> so that was something else we were talking about when we were getting this topic ready is when you have these player created NPCs. So these these NPCs where the players either create them or they build them. And this is really what we're talking about now is building them that sometimes the legend of them being off-camera is more powerful than them being on-camera. great example from the prior leg of this campaign is Pops. The legend of Pops is far bigger Mm. than any NPC I could introduce. Now, there was an NPC of Pops who was both an NPC and then also played as a PC NPC because Chad played him for one game, four game. Within very specific parameters. Yeah, and I gave you specific parameters such. But this was fundamentally, even if player executed, it was an NPC who had a set history and personality and things like that. And so Pops existed as a fixed part of the plot. And Pops, unlike Lovin' or Fat Tony, had a very specific role, very specific secrets. In fact, almost everything that's happening in this Skies of Glass game 
can be traced back to that moment on the river with Pops. And some of that you guys know, some of that you guys will yet learn. But the point being that Pops is not something where I'm prepared to give the amount of wiggle room that I am with Lovin or Fat Tony. Mm -hmm. But I think what Pops has in common with Lovin is Pops is a folktale now. Right. Because Pops, in all of his sayings, because he's got a saying for everything, (laughs) and all the crazy stuff you guys have come up with about him is far bigger than the reality of any NPC that I could create. And I want you guys to talk to why that's true and how that's true. Well, no. I think I think a lot of it is it's just us riffing on yeah. whatever. And, you know, a lot of the pop stuff just came out as jokes. Right. You know, and Chad, you established pops as kind of somebody who has the witty one liner. You know, yeah. it rains for free. You know, those <laughs> kind of things. You know, so it was in our minds, it kind of set that as, okay, yeah. he's got these witty barbs that he usually slings. And he's always he looked at things like sideways, and yeah. and so I always thought of him as somebody who spent too much time out in the sun. And <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't crazy, but he wasn't quite right. Right? Yeah. He reminds me. I think he probably reminds a lot of people of relatives. Yeah. yeah like absolutely. older relative. He. My dad had his sayings. Yep. Mm. He. Well, my dad's still alive, so he has his sayings that we used to joke about all the yeah. time. And that's the one thing. Once you have someone in your life that does those, you joke about them. It's yeah. something that keeps coming back up. These characters knew Pops. They yep. would keep bringing those things up, yep. even with Pops being gone, because that's something that cements the character in their minds. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's the important thing is whether a game master makes a character or in your players pull one out of nothingness is that the the characters are a little bit larger than life. And I don't mean they're big damn heroes or anything like that, but I mean even even look at Lovin'. I mean Lovin's funny and there's there's only one Lovin'. In all the years I've been gaming, I've had characters, we've encountered prisons. I don't really prison bitches aren't like a common thread in my games, but I'm sure there's been at least one or two, but there's only been one Lovin'. And we didn't even really talk about him that much, but he just had these interesting little facets or sit, not even facets. We don't even know him. It's just these situations that stuck. And sometimes these things stick and then sometimes they don't stick. Yeah. You know, and I am a big believer that truth is more often than not stranger than fiction. Mm. And I think that truth and, and this was a, something I railed against a lot in the years prior to Fear the Boot, because it was something that I encountered a lot in gaming and in fiction, which is where people would feel they had to do the stylistic, the over-the-top, the the bizarre. Mm -hmm. And and the reason for this was because reality is boring. And I started railing against that because, like, look, if you think reality is boring, you don't know a whole lot about reality. There are so many weird episodes and weird characters and weird truths in actual history that if you think reality is boring, you need to learn more about reality. And that's something that kind of came and went in my life prior to Fear the Boot, but it is still a truth that I hold on to, is that reality is stranger than fiction. But that doesn't mean that reality will ever be as personal as fiction. This is kind of a weird aside, but there there have actually been, I don't know, it's like MRIs or EKGs or what they're doing, but they're, they're doing some kind of check of the brain. 
And did you know that when people think of a fictional character, they're a huge fan of, like they're really, really invested in, like the type of person you would get on Twitter and rage about if it didn't go the direction you want? Did you know the parts of the brain that light up when you think about the character are the same parts of the brain that light up when you think about a real friend? Mm-hmm. Honest yeah. truth. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's honest to God truth. That is how internally we take these characters. And so when you guys are invested in Lovin' and you guys have your own image of who Lovin' or Pops or whoever the hell it is, whoever this person is, that, yes, I might be able to create a character who is just as interesting, just as whatever, but I can never sell that character to you the way you have already sold that character to yourself. Let me give you an example of this. There is a folklore character by the name of John Henry. John Henry is a real individual, was a real individual, long dead. Steel-driving man. (laughs) Steel-driving man. And he pitted himself against a steam machine. And by the way, this steam machine actually existed. They can even tell you who manufactured it. There are pictures of similar models that estimate what it probably looked like. And what happened with the real John Henry was he wanted to demonstrate that human labor was too valuable to be surpassed by the coming industrial age. And so he was a steel-driving man. And the real story of what happened with John Henry was he went in a race against the steam-powered contraption and worked himself until he died of heart failure. That's what I thought. I've, I've heard the actual story before. And that's how I thought it ended was that he his heart actually collapsed from the yeah. he's out in the sun. He's doing this. He's too stubborn to realize that he's causing himself serious medical issues. Yeah, I thought he, it was that he died later he did. because he beat the machine because the machine blew up. I don't I don't know what happened in the machine, to be completely honest. I, I actually read all this while I was playing Wasteland 2 because <laughs> I was curious to remember because I'd heard it before. But I was curious what the actual story of John Henry was. And I don't remember who won or any of that. So but, Johnny Cash sings the ballad of John Henry, oh, and it's amazing. There's even locomotive sound effects and everything. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about John Henry. He will never, as a real person, be bigger than his legend. Because what is his legend? His legend is the man who took on a machine and beat it. Now, let's be honest. We now live in the post-industrial age. We live in the information age. I guarantee you, you go down to an auto assembly line, you ain't going to beat the robots. They're stronger, they're faster, they're more precise. You they're just killers. They, they are. <laughs> they're, they're pure killers. But you can't do it. And the, the, the story of John Henry, the value of his legend, is that here was a man who by pure determination, at least ostensibly, did beat the machine. He beat the industrial age, and he prolonged his age one lifetime, one generation more. And he served as something that inspired these people, that invested these people in the work that they were doing for another generation, at least. And, I mean, we still talk about him today. That's why I knew who John Henry was when I his name popped up in Wasteland, too. I sang folk songs about John Henry when I was in elementary school as part of the curriculum. DC Comics created a character with the name John Henry. I did not know that. Steel. Mm -hmm. Big hammer. Superman uh, symbol on him. Shaq played him in a movie. 
Not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Shaq yeah. played him in a movie. You could have stopped there. <laughs> but but all right, the point being, though, that in the same way, if I was to bring Pops or Lovin' or any of these characters into the story at this point, which could happen for a variety of reasons, but would the reality ever measure up to the legend that you guys not just created, but are continuing to create? It's a tense that exists in Greek, but not in English. Past, present, and future all at once have been, are doing, and are continuing to do a perpetual sense, right? Can I eclipse that? If that character shows up, will they be, can they be, everything you imagine them to be? The answer is probably not. I think there's two sides to that, though. One is, a lot of times the answer is no. Same thing with a big mystery. Will the mystery solution ever actually live up to what you've built up? Looking at comic characters, again, we just mentioned comics, Wolverine's origin. Wolverine's origin was never going to be as interesting as it was built. It's a good story, but... I thought it was pretty interesting. It was a good, yeah, it was a good story, but it yeah. didn't live up to the legend that everyone had built up. On the other hand, that's also really tying your hands, and that's mm-hmm. kind of a defeatist attitude to say, well, we can I've never built this up, this I can story. never do it. No, and I, and I agree, and I am not saying that any of the characters you guys have defined in the background are off-limits to me. Lovin' is not off-limits to me. There may be some reason by which Lovin' appears in the plot. What I am trying to sell is not why Lovin' is off-limits, but the reason why I think his existence serves a valuable purpose in terms of the player character buy-in or the the player buy-in to the game. I think it's one of those situations where you, you don't want to meet your heroes. You know, like... My dad always talked about how great Walter Payton was, right? And maybe he was a great guy. Maybe, you know, uh, Mean Joe Green wasn't really mean and all this other stuff. But then you meet them, you actually meet the legend, and it's like, okay, this is an old broken down man. You know, it's not, the the legend is much bigger in Mm -hmm. the telling, and it gets bigger every year when you're sitting and talking about, oh, yeah, you know, John Henry did this, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. You're just like uh, Davy Crockett. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. If we ever met Lovin', then he would either have to meet our expectations or as a game master, you could turn those expectations around. And this isn't the guy we thought it was, you know, you You know, when you said David Crockett, I found, I, I kind of started on a train of thought. David Crockett is a big legend around him, right? You know, he's a big mythological hero, obviously real, but he's a real man. He's a real man, real historical figure, Alamo and all that. And I was like, David Crockett kind of an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> because the Alamo shouldn't have been fought. And they, they it's like, yeah, remember the Alamo and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, I read the history of the Alamo. I read uh, Sam Houston's biography. And it was like, no, the, the orders were to blow it up and run away because there's no way they can win. And Sam Houston said as much. But no, they were going to do it because they're, because they're idiots is why they did it, essentially. So, But it, it built up this legend. As I was thinking that, too, I was also thinking that, you know, yeah, you can have this character that, that has this legend, this larger-than-life thing that's been building up and building up, and then as a game master, you put that chess piece on the table in front of the, the characters. And it's not the king or the knight or the queen that you thought it was, but it's just a pawn, it's just a regular person. And you take back ownership of it, because then you start writing the character as they are. Yeah, and because like with Davy Crockett, 
On one hand, yeah, the, I read the real history of what happened there, and it killed the legend for me. But then I kept reading, and it was interesting, because he was an interesting human being. Yeah. Well, and you look at that, that story. What if Davy Crockett would have left? His legend wouldn't have, it was, still would have grown, but it would have been a different legend. What if he would have left, but nobody knew he left? Right. He's Those out. are the ty- kind of stories I, I like. Is yeah. He's now more powerful, more useful as a martyr, as a legend, but the man is still there. And you can meet the man, and the man is not going to be the legend. In fact, he was, well, not David Crockett wasn't a coward. But in that situation, that, that fictional situation you just described, you know, he snuck out. Yep. And now he has to lay low because, on one hand, he is this big martyr and such. But on the other hand, if the truth ever got out, he'd be, you know, run out of town on a rail. He's yep. a coward. And well, it can undermine the legend that's serving a purpose. And that's an interesting story. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. that if you have a care, if you're a game master and you have one of these characters that is more legend than truth, rip the Band-Aid off. Put that character out there. Break the legend and then start making the new story. Yeah, off and, the and I think this goes to my comment on yes, but GMing. Mm-hmm. If you guys were to encounter Lovin, which I have no specific plans, but he's such a legend. <laughs> <laughs> but if you guys were to encounter him, right. I would not invalidate at least the views you have of him. Why is he called Lovin? Why does he have the reputation of being the prison bitch? Was he the prison bitch? If not, how did those rumors start? Lovett is really a virgin. Yeah, what (laughs) what is the story behind the image that you guys have? If you look at John Henry, whatever the truth about the man, there is a reason his legend exists in its form. There were things that were going on in terms of culture and economy at the time. There were things that he did. There were things that were done around him. It did not occur in a vacuum. And in the same way, I do not think I could look at what you guys did or are doing with Lovin and say, no, it's 100% wrong. That, you know, it's it's everything you have added to the game through that NPC is completely false. And, you know, that's what I've tried to do with, with Fat Tony, who's less controversial of a character in terms of who and what he is is, you know, apart from the cheesy accent, if this guy's a mobster, where is his mob? Right. You know, if this guy's so in control... Well, I love the idea of there's this legend that he's a mobster and, you know, he's mob, he's all-powerful, he's Fat Tony, but then the truth is that you don't get a New York accent by being born on a space station <laughs> after a nuclear holocaust. Yeah. He just likes movies, and, and his he, real name is Bill von Dinkelberg. Right, yes. but he got—he did something, and he got thrown in prison. Well, he had to build up his own—he had to build up his own lead. Yeah, yeah. saw Goodfellas a few too many right. times. Yeah, and, or, he start, you know, he he started faking it till he made it, but now he can't stop faking it. And yeah, yeah. who knows? Yeah, again, rip the bandaid off, put the chess piece out there, turn to a pawn, and then write his own story. Yeah, talking about what you're saying players adding things and and the yes but doing something you know if we said oh you know loving this loving that that's completely different than maybe one of us saying oh i just saw pops right you know because then that's really crossing that line of Mm -hmm. you, you know you're taking advantage of the situation the story you're trying to tell the story as opposed to the game master presenting the story Mm -hmm. i could see where that could be a a problem yeah and that may be a good line to look at is is what you're doing setting development or is it narrative control? To say that there exists someone 
in the cell up from you guys. That was already established. His name's Tony. Hmm. That's setting development. Right. It's not narrative control. At no point did anyone say, Tony is doing this. You know, or Tony must do that. Nobody ever took narrative control away from me as the game master. You never gave Tony words. Right. You I told spoke him to, shut to him. Up. Well, I very specifically told him to shut the yep. up. Which implies he was talking. Yeah. But, I mean, I could have just easily had him say, you know, hey, I'm not talking. It's the guy in the cell next to us. Yell at him. <laughs> I'm trying to sit over here. <laughs> Try to read my book. Y'all will love it. He won't shut <laughs> up. <laughs> and it all came from the fact that we're sitting in a prison. And the again, nothing against what Dan did. Great. You described it great. Told us everything we need to know. You even added details and feeling and theme to it. And to my mind, I was sitting there. I'm like, this is a prison. And it's too quiet. And so it just... Became not quiet in you know, my head. <laughs> so Gil reacted to that. Okay, so and this is what we're going to close on. Let me explain why the prison was quiet. And this goes, this ties right back into everything we've been talking about, about player sourcing mm. things about the setting. When you guys first said, we're on a space station. Okay, so when the space station you're on mm. was originally conceived in my mind years ago, Okay, right. so back when Skies of Glass was first getting imagined and there were a couple still functional space stations, it was not supposed to have a population of more than maybe 100 or 200 people. Mm-hmm. Well, which is still pretty sizable. Which is. But you guys went from that to describing that it had a prison. Mm-hmm. And not only did it have a prison, but all four of you were in the prison. And not only were all four of you in the prison, but here's this prison culture and other prisoners and people on the inside, people on the outside. And suddenly Chad's a prison guard, mm-hmm. and there were other prison guards. And it's like suddenly this space station, it's like this can't be 100 or 200 right. people. <laughs> this space station had to have had a population at least in the lower four figures. Mm-hmm. This had to have had a substantial population, which means this space station is a lot bigger than I imagined. And so... Now it's a shipyard. Yeah, you know, exactly. Or jumping off part. And that's what it became. It became yeah. a shipyard and all these other things. And now all of a sudden, that prison, suddenly it had to have more people. Mm-hmm. And I implied even there there might be other cell blocks. Well, if so you, you think have, about it, there's got to be a women's prison. Yeah, so you had one cell block that I said had 27 people in it. There was probably at least a second, maybe third, fourth prison. Oh, my God, guys, block. they blew up the women. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's an assumption that it has to have a women's prison. We don't know that all of the uh, yeah. guard, all of the prisoners are male. Women don't commit crimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Spe- right? Specifically, we don't know that all the other prisoners were male. And I, I, I had assumed personally that there was a mix of male and female in the. And I never got, but we, we never defined it. Never defined. I got the feeling too that the prison was not. They didn't make this station, and that's the prison module because, of course, we're going to have a prison module. It was more like. This was an ad hoc thing because we have lost the ability to, okay, this guy did a bad thing. We threw him in the drunk tank until the shuttle came up, and we throw him on the shuttle, and then now it's Earth's problem. Well, Earth got nuked. And then we established that, well, because all the people died on Earth, not all the people, but all these people died on Earth, life is too precious. We're not just going to shove people out of space. Or waste a shuttle. Or waste a shuttle. Because a shuttle may be the only way off of a dying space station. You're not going to give a shuttle to a prisoner. So they had to make a prison and had to come up with something. Now, if they have like a thousand people on the station and only 25 prisoners, well, 
you know, yeah, they'll have a drunk tank, but we're the worst of the worst, right? Because you can overlook a lot of stuff, but if there's 25 people out of a thousand and these are the ones that you're going to spend the resources on yeah. to... And you presuppose they've got specialized knowledge that may make them too valuable to kill. Right, That which is Junior's case. Yep. Well, not just Junior's case, but you had a surgeon in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got multiple... A surgeon, an engineer, and... A computer, computer expert. expert. And yeah. a murderer. <laughs> well, and in your case, you were simply friends with people in power. I mean, maybe not close friends, but you were a prison guard. Yeah, it's pretty good. You were part of the establishment. The establishment doesn't kill its own. Right. You were behind that blue line. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And it would just happen to be a killing that somebody needed to be killed. And yeah. yeah. Ah, watch, listen to the show. All right. <laughs> so, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to morally justify Gil because he's a fucking <laughs> ass. So. so, all right. That's where we're going to wrap this one up. Don't think there's going to be anything too interesting in the show notes, but there's going to be a Johnny Cash song. Okay, no. there's there's going to be a link to some information about the room. Oh yeah, the, the Tommy Wiseau movie. There is going to be a Wikipedia stuff on John Henry. Stuff stuff on John Henry. There's going to be something on some Greek stuff you talked about, and you're going to do the Wikipedia article on like. Yes, but, and yes, and whatever the hell that's called. I think you should just link to Wikipedia and say, if you don't know something, just search it. Just hit random. There's a pretty good chance it'll be accurate enough. Yeah, with yes, but, I think that's more of a link to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. Well, that's like a concept. It's like a a theater improv concept sort of thing. I'm not saying I don't know what it's called. If there's a subdivision between no... Yes, but, and yes, and. Do you think the Germans I, have not come up with a five-mile-long word for oh, this? Oh, I'm sure they have. The Germans get too much credit, though, because typically what they do is they don't actually create a new word. They just create a massive compound word. <laughs> Until people give up <laughs> yeah. trying to figure and, it and out. submit. Yeah. So I'm serious, though. Are all these, the Germans have a word for everything. Mm-hmm. Like, the Germanic word for this would be like, Theater speaking, no, yes, but, yes, and. Right. <laughs> That's what the German word would be. It's this massive compound word. So, anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.